You'll want to grab a a copy of your bulletin for the first part of this uh, sermon and look at the cover. On the cover of the bulletin today is the Transfiguration Altarpiece by the great High Renaissance painter Raphael. For centuries, this work was widely considered to be the greatest oil painting in the Western world. In the top half of the painting, we see the story from Luke chapter 9, known as the Transfiguration. We hear this story every year, the Sunday before Lent begins. One day, Jesus goes up to a mountaintop, the story says, taking with him three disciples, Peter, James, and John. As Jesus is praying, his appearance begins to change. His face and his clothing begin to glow. The light of God shows through him. It is something that none of us can fully imagine, but that Raphael certainly does a better job of describing with a paintbrush than I could ever do with words. As the spiritual experience unfolds, Jesus is joined by Moses and Elijah. Those are the two at his left and at his right, heroes of the Old Testament. Peter, James, and John are the three figures below, shielding their faces from the light. They are dumbfounded, their hearts leaping in their chests, spirits lifted as they are swept up in God's presence and spirit. What makes this painting so rare and so theologically wise is that Raphael shows another story from the life of Jesus in the bottom half of the painting. It is the one that comes immediately after the story of the transfiguration. As that story goes, Jesus and his disciples make their way back down from the mountain and their crowds await them. A father, in the midst of the crowd, shouts to gain Jesus' attention, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Can you see the helpless look on that father's face in the painting? Raphael depicts the father holding on to his seizing son. Epilepsy was so widely misunderstood in the ancient world, it still frightens those who are not familiar with it. The boy is convulsing so wildly he almost strikes his father in the face. His robe falls from his shoulders as dad tries to keep his son from injuring himself. Close by, but not close enough to quite be in contact, the disciples look on in terror. One points a finger as they fear that there is nothing they can do. But Jesus shows compassion to the young boy and heals him. And he offers convicting words to the bystander disciples that his mercy toward the suffering boy is their work also. And to stand idly by, he says, is faithless. 
The disciples in the painting wear robes of blue, yellow, and green, symbolic of faith, hope, and love. The painting reminds us that the real challenge of faith, hope, and love is to be able to behold both of these stories at the same time. To live with faith, hope, and love means to be swept into the glory and mystery of God while never forgetting the suffering of the world. Jesus demonstrates this, going up to the mountain to experience God's love, but coming back down to share love with others. What is so genius about this painting is that everyone who has ever seen it, every one of us, lives faith in just this way. We, like the disciples, often find ourselves pulled between two realms of faith, one marked by a longing to be closer to God, and another marked by living on earth with the love and the mercy of Jesus. It's my hunch that most of us are more comfortable in one of these realms than we are in the other, though we might lean either way. Some Christians are quite comfortable with their spiritual life, prayer, studying the Bible, communing with God, but either they prefer to forget about or are paralyzed by the needs of the world. Other people experience the opposite leaning. They're easily inspired to love, to serve, to give, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But the spiritual stuff is harder. Perhaps God's presence feels too intangible. Or perhaps it's just hard to find the time to pray. Holding these two realms in tension and the willingness to be challenged by both, this is the essence of faith. Whenever we retreat to a quiet, sacred space, we will soon have to come down from that mountaintop. Outside of all the grand cathedrals of the earth are homeless people asking for money. At home, family members wait for us in need. We cannot stay forever in holy places. And on the other hand, many among us are quite comfortable with the daily work of being a Christian, living generously, showing up for outreach work, studying the Bible diligently. What is hard is getting inside the cathedral. Finding space in one's life, a time and a place to connect with God. The importance of attending to both realms of faith is perhaps most clearly seen when you think about the cost when one of them is forgotten. We all know examples of people who are too spiritual for their own good. You hear all about their prayer life and their Bible reading, but when it comes to genuine care of others who are hurting, when it comes to sacrificial giving or compassion in the face of another's misfortune, then they are no place to be found. 
On the other hand, there are folks who are humble and compassionate to the point of exhaustion. These are the perfectly willing and always capable volunteers. But of course, it is so easy to get burned out. For the needs of the world are so great, and so many of the efforts that we make don't seem to move the needle on the world's greatest problems. How can you stay encouraged if you don't have some faith to lean on? And many folks just lose hope. Really, we are the healthiest when we attend to both of these realms. And the truth is that they are deeply connected to one another. Our spiritual lives should inspire us to come down from the mountaintop and to care for one another. And when we look with spiritual eyes into the faces of people who suffer, we do not just see other people who need our pity. We see people who, like us, are children of God. Heidi Newmark knows these things well. She is an author and has been the pastor of Transfiguration Lutheran Church in New York. You don't pastor a church named after a Bible story without thinking hard about that story. When Heidi arrived as pastor, Transfiguration Lutheran certainly was not an ivory tower enclave for the spiritual life. It was in the Bronx, and this was the height of the crack cocaine epidemic. In surprising ways, Newmark found that she grew in her spiritual depth as she stretched in her love and compassion for the poor. And she certainly found that she needed her prayer life most on days when the suffering around her became unbearable. Reflecting on this Bible story in her book, Breathing Space, Heidi Newmark writes this, Living up in the rarefied air is not the point of transfiguration. It was never meant as a private experience of spirituality removed from the public square. It was a vision to carry us down, a glimpse of unimagined possibility at ground level. I talk a lot in sermons about the importance of getting out into the world in mission and service. For a few moments, I want to tell you about some opportunities you will have during Lent to flex your spiritual muscles here at church. As we do every year this week, we will have an Ash Wednesday service to start the season of Lent. It takes place Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. The main point of that service is to practice a little healthy humility and remind ourselves that we are fragile people who need God. During the service, we offer the traditional practice of having the sign of the cross made on your forehead with ashes. If you've never done that, or maybe if you've only done it under coercion, maybe you should consider trying it again 
or trying it for the first time by choice. It can be quite powerful, and it is a reminder that church is not just an intellectual exercise or a service organization. This is a spiritual place for real people who need tangible things to remind them of faith. And if any of you worry that the whole thing sounds a little too Catholic, I promise you that the imposition of ashes is a perfectly Presbyterian thing to do. Throughout Lent, we are offering other opportunities for spiritual growth throughout the week. There will be a Sunday morning class called Meet a Mystic and a Wednesday evening one called Breathing Underwater. We'll also continue our new series of prayer and mindfulness practices on Saturday mornings. Information about all of those things is in your bulletin today. It's good to be intentional about these things, though some encounters with the sacred are more accidental. Heidi Newmark, who I mentioned, tells the story of a man from the congregation named Rick. Rick spoke once at the church on Transfiguration Sunday. Rick spoke of his addiction to drugs, his anger and guilt before God, and finally he spoke about coming into the church's men's Bible study, hoping for something better in his life. He spoke of starting out by volunteering and working in the church, but feeling unworthy to come and worship, especially unworthy to come to the communion table. He described the paralyzing shame that kept him away. And what changed his mind was a new members retreat where he heard how Martin Luther described communion as medicine. He's been coming to the table ever since, knowing now that the communion table is a place not of judgment or guilt, but it's a place of welcome and a place to find healing. As for the miraculous shining of Jesus' face in the story, Heidi Newmark has a nice way of describing that too, one that might be relevant to us this afternoon. For her, it was the snow. Snow is always getting in the way, frustrating our best laid plans. But perhaps sometimes God is slowing us down and changing our plans for a reason. One day a snowstorm canceled Heidi Newmark's service of ordination. A big deal for those of us in the ministry. She sat in her room in tears, taking one phone call after another from close friends who would not make it to the service that day. Soon it was obvious that they would have to postpone, and once she made her peace with the ordination celebration that would not happen that day, she walked out into the street and experienced the quiet, still, glowing flakes of a heavy new snowfall. And somehow she knew that God still had a plan for her. In a coincidence, Heidi Newmark did not see until years later 
Her ordination was rescheduled for Transfiguration Sunday. And just weeks thereafter, she was called to a life-changing ministry in a church called Transfiguration. I invite you in these days to be on the lookout for ways big and small that God may be looking for a new way into your heart. As Newmark calls it, a transfiguration at ground level. Amen.